We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Race attack on watch out. Burst of speed. Look at this freshman. Welcome to the home of professional football. Canton, Ohio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College of Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Travis May, and if you're joining us for the first time, College to Canton is a show where we talk about everything from college football recruiting to in-season college and NFL breakdowns to NFL draft talk, all the way to you know discussions as to who should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We always talk about some fantasy football since this is a Rotoviz Radio podcast, but we always make sure to dive into some real college football and NFL analysis too. And if you've been following along, uh, in this still somewhat, you know, somewhat of a new year, we've been talking college football playoffs, NFL playoffs, and all the top rookies and future NFL draft stars you need to know, uh, and even had a, a special rookie running back episode. But now it's time to talk about rookie wide receivers and dive into some helpful metrics we use here at Rotoviz to help find the ones, the you know, the right wide receivers who will hit at the next level. And to help me dive into this and talk some wide receivers and some metrics and some numbers and things like that, as my special guest and and a longtime friend, former Rotoviz guy, Anthony Amico. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Amixta. I don't know. I, I never know how to pronounce that, but it's A-M-I-C-S-T-A on Twitter. And you can check out his latest work at Amixta, A-M-I-C-S-T-A dot substack dot com. Welcome to the show, man. It's, it's been way too long. Yeah, what's up, Trav? I appreciate you having me on. Uh, yeah, we were talking about that before. It's uh, it's nice to kind of to talk to you. It's definitely been a while, and uh, I love receivers. I mean, this is my favorite position in the game. So, oh yeah, I think we'll have some fun. Yeah, this is this is my jam. This is what I loved. I think everybody loves talking about wide receivers. Like, if you're even mildly interested in the game of football, like you you want to play wide receiver, you want all the swag, all the moves, all the all the you know all the big personalities, and you know it. 
it's just a fun position to break down. And I feel like we have we've done there's been more research done on the wide receiver position and, and more, you know, trying to figure out who is actually going to be successful at the next level at the wide receiver position more than probably any other position, especially in fantasy football, but maybe even real football. I hear hear so much people talking about it just year round all the time. Uh, about who's going to be the next breakout star, who's going to be that next Justin Jefferson or, you know, DK Metcalf or AJ Brown or whatever other incoming Ole Miss wide receiver we should get get excited about. But uh, before we dive into kind of some of your favorite wide receivers, I do want to dive into just some of the work you've been doing uh, in terms of, you know, finding the right metrics that, that mean something to try to predict the future and find the right players that are going to hit at the next level. So, I mean, our listeners might be familiar with breakout age, like the term that, you know, we like players that produce at an early age, like a player that breaks out and, you know, they're 18 years old. They have a higher hit rate than somebody that breaks out when they're, let's say, 21, 22, especially 23 years old. And so that's been something that's been around in the fantasy football community for quite some time, something that uh, several different people have have dug into. I know you've, you've even done, dug into that some yourself, but more recently, you've been doing some research in terms of breakout year as opposed to just breakout age. So I just want to give you an opportunity to kind of outline that and what inspired that and, and what you actually found, because what I, I think it's pretty intriguing. Yeah, I mean, uh, the whole concept of early declare was something that, you know, Rich Rebar wrote about, Blair Andrews wrote about, wrote about uh, talking about, like, is there value in a receiver declaring for the draft early? versus you know staying his entire possible career at a certain school so when i was reading that stuff uh that kind of inspired me to look at it a little more granularly and just look at the number of years that the player was in college at all um so just like high school graduation to the time that they leave school so if they redshirt you know that still counts as a year and just kind of aggregating all that information. And the, the stuff that I found uh, was that the years really mattered quite a bit. You know, we really want to prioritize players who are in college for three years, you know, that they're leaving as either uh, true juniors or redshirt sophomores. Uh, we especially want to prioritize players that broke out in that time frame uh, and players who are true freshman breakouts typically were doing very well. So I really liked looking through all that information because I felt that We've done all this work with age, and all that work with age obviously still holds up. Yeah, um, yeah, still very useful, but it's just it's great to add layers to it, right? Exactly, and it, so it, it kind of left me feeling like some of the earlier work that we had done with age maybe was just sig- you know signaling for us this years component, and then if we have the years, you know, we have players that are you know three year players, four year players, five year players, and then we bend them by age, you know, maybe we get some extra predictiveness from that so I you know I definitely still think that the you know the reasons that we preferred younger players in terms of like you know where they are in their f- physical development you know playing against other older players and their physical development like I think all that stuff still holds up but I also think that there's an experience component to that as well because obviously depending on how much football you've played you know that should have some tangible result on how you're performing as well so Absolutely. you know I, I thought that yeah, like I felt that a few times in the past years, like it was really easy to dismiss a guy like maybe a Calvin Ridley, who is definitely like an outlier on this end because he like couldn't even finish his last high school season because he was too old. Yeah. But like, but like it's not his fault, you know what I mean? Right. Like, he couldn't it's help. Not his it. fault. <laughs> right. So like 
do I want to miss on do I want to miss on guys like that just because I'm looking only at age? Like not really. So I like having that extra, uh, you know, that ability to look also at of the experience. And I think that that's, you know, really guided my process a lot the last, you know, season or so. Yeah. It's like, cause I mean, just, just applying this, this concept really practically. I mean, Calvin Ridley is the perfect, perfect example. He was like just a really super old high school player. And so he couldn't have an 18 year old breakout age. Right. <laughs> just That was, it was not on the table. And so like, you know, or even just, um, you know, not that extreme, but let's say a guy is born in April and uh, but he, you know, he kind of went to school early. So he's like uh, a freshman and he's already, you know, he's already, you know, turning 19 before he turns, you know, his freshman season just barely. And and, uh, you know, he breaks out in his freshman year to to really knock him and say that I'm clearly going to rank a player who had a birthday in the following March or the following February, just because in the fall he was 18. Uh, just that rubs me the wrong way anyway, just talking about it, right? It just seems like it's just something that you really can't, it, it was out of their control. So it just, it makes sense as a concept that would it would it would be the years as opposed to just the age. So great, great example of, uh, I think in this class, in this rookie class wide receivers, not a name that I think many people have pegged as going super early uh, in the NFL draft, but you know, maybe his senior bowl, uh, you know, beating defensive backs uh, on, like one-on-one uh, and nothing else, which is really easy to do for even decent wide receivers. Uh, but, you know, his stock is definitely going to spike and already has. Dwayne Eskridge uh, out of Western Michigan. You know, he's a guy who he kind of almost broke out if you squint. Like, uh, you know, maybe has a, in his second or third year. And then he converted to defensive back for a little bit, kind of a la, you know, like John Ross when he did that for Washington. Uh, and then, you know, in his fifth year, Eskridge finally, finally breaks out. And when he does, he, you know, accounts for nearly half of Western Michigan's uh, receiving offense and has like a 99th percentile mark for yards per team pass attempt. Uh, like almost five yards per team pass attempt. Uh, if you, especially, you know, if you're just looking at the the six game sample that he played in, and you know, maybe, maybe he's kind of a small sample trap. But how do you how do you weight somebody like Dwayne Eskridge who who breaks out in his fifth year against anybody else? Yeah, I mean, the the fi- a five year player traditionally is not someone that's going to find success at the next level. But uh, always like the context of the player is important. You know, very similar to what we dealt with with John Ross. Now John yeah. John Ross doesn't really. See he's going to pan out but like the yeah. the playing defense thing just like blows my mind that like you could be an nfl level player at a certain position and then play a different position for like any <laughs> length of time at all in college yeah. um but but yeah i mean the production is outrageous like i one of the metrics i look at is adjusted yards for play which is two times the receiving yards plus the rushing yards divided by team plays and he's over four yeah which is really really high for that metric so it kind of goes to it speaks to what you're saying about how important he was to that offense so he's not someone that like i'm like going out of my way to get but you can see that there are probably going to be like a couple of comps for him that are at least reasonable for like some kind of production like maybe like a harry douglas where he's not going to be a world beater like he's not going to be a one but he's going to produce and he's going to at least like, kind of be in the mix. And that's like for a guy like that to play five years in college and then be an NFL producer, like that's a good career for him, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, and I'm not saying he can't hit, but he's just a really weird case because 
if you you know stacked him up against somebody who had more of a conventional breakout, or if you were actually looking for statistical significance and, and signal uh, for his breakout being meaningful at all in his fifth season, typically, I mean, based on your research and others, many of people have found that that fifth year almost means literally nothing in terms of predicting the future hit rate, right? Right. Yeah, so it's just... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I, it's... It is what it is, but like I just see a player. It's just, it feels like a small sample trap, uh, but because I mean, like you know, six games this year, and he got what 30, 33, 34 balls this year. It was absolutely crazy, and and made Caleb Ellaby look really good. Like if you put Ellaby's, you know, adjusted yards per pass attempt against anybody else over the past five years, Caleb Ellaby, Western Michigan quarterback, just had the most efficient season of. Of the last five years. <laughs> Thanks. That's like one of my favorite things, man, at the small schools. Like when Corey Davis was at Western Michigan, and oh, I was yeah. like, oh, maybe this quarterback's like draftable. It's yeah. Like, actually, just Corey Davis is really good. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But but we'll, we'll see what happens with LB. But I just wanted to mention that because he's such an extreme example, and yet somebody who's who's kind of rising, but is not necessarily in, in the first round discussion or anything like that. Uh, but conversely, like at the very top, like somebody who had an early breakout, uh, or at least earlier breakout. Like everybody seems to love Jamar Chase this year, but most people I've found aren't necessarily comfortable uh, ranking them as high as like your typical first overall wide receiver in a class would be. And especially in terms of like dynasty startup drafts, I'm seeing some, you know, average early average draft position data where he's kind of like a little bit further down than you'd like to Well, you'd normally see a, a, a first overall wide receiver be. So I'm, I'm curious how high you are on the uh, you know perceived consensus wide receiver one in this year's draft class. I mean, I love him. I, <laughs> I think he's really freaking good, man. Like, I, I, I know that he didn't play this year, and that's like a weird blip. Like, in the past, the guys that have missed a year, it's been to some kind of, like, academic issue or, like, like the old Mike Williams, like, didn't yeah. play because he wanted to go early and they didn't let him, like, like weird scenarios, but this is like kind of like an outlier on his own in the sense that he just opted out because there was some like global pandemic going on. Yeah. Uh, but he put all. up all these like outrageous numbers before doing so. So, you know, I think even if you looked at what he did in 2019, like that would be a great season for anyone's final season if he had done that as a true junior. He did it as a sophomore. Yeah. So, like, that, like, to me s- says a lot. Uh, he outproduced Justin Jefferson, who just broke the receiving record, for, uh, you know, rookie receiving record in the NFL. Yeah, so that looks um, good. <laughs> yeah, so like there's a lot of things that I think go uh, that make Jamar Chase look really good at the next level. I'm definitely in on him. Uh, and I think that like, you know, I'll put Superflex aside just because it's such a big quarterback class. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, Chase has to be in the mix for like that one on one spot or that first spot among skill players yeah. in rookie drafts this year. Yeah, because I mean, like in terms of his both his age and his breakout year, which was his second season. And really, the only reason he probably didn't break out earlier was that Justin Jefferson was actually the clear wide receiver one uh, on that team when Jamar Chase was a true freshman with, you know, Terrace Marshall also there. Uh, and they, nobody else really did that much. It was just kind of a, an inefficient overall offense through the air. And then, of course, yep. you know, they have uh, Joe Burrow and, uh, you know, an NFL you know, NFL worthy offensive coordinator come in and things change. Uh, but man, how do you compare him to, you know, some of these guys? Cause this class especially has a bunch of wide receivers 
uh, who, you know, not, they're not even early entrant guys, like they're fourth year wide receivers. Like you go down the list, it's, you know, Devonte Smith, it's, you know, Tylen Wallace, it's, uh, you know, even like o- older guys like Damon Hazleton or, you know, uh, you know, Tamorion Terry, I think he's an older guy now, like, you know, Daz Newsome, even you know, go down the list. There's several guys, like a lot of people like Kad- Kadarius Tony. How do you, how do you even compare? Cause we're like kind of backdating it with Jamar Chase with his uh, second year breakout. And then just by the metrics, like how do you compare him to somebody like Devonte Smith who just, you know, broke a bunch of records, but he did so in his fourth year. Like, what does that mean for you? Yeah. So we're hitting all the, we're hitting all the, like the crazy cases I feel like in one, in one, in one class, in one class. Cool, you know? Yeah. Cause I, so I built this, uh, I built this app uh, called the wide receiver prospect similarity app, which lets you put in, like you select a prospect, you select the statistics that you want to use. Uh, you can set a draft position if you want, and it'll find like the most similar prospects uh, over the last, like, I don't know, I think since like 2004 or something like that. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so it's pretty cool. And I, I, I like looking at it for stuff like this because it gives us an idea of like range of outcomes versus, you know, just throwing a, a number into a model and getting one number out and, and kind of like not really having an idea of where a player could land. But I laugh when I look at at Smith's because like his top two comps in the app like really demonstrate to me the range of outcomes because it's Paul Richardson and it's Tyler Lockett. <laughs> and I look at that <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, that makes so much sense to me because it does. we have this guy who like, you know, people people worry about like the BMI and like getting hurt and that's like your Paul Richardson case. And then there's the, oh, like actually he's just like a really efficient smaller dude, Tyler Lockett. And, right. uh, you know, maybe he's that. And Smith's career is so is so interesting to me because he's a little yeah he's a little older he's a four year player but like the first three years of his career he played with three other first round prospects <laughs> he played with Ridley he played with Ridley his in, in Ridley's final season as well as Judy and um, uh, Waddle and Ruggs so he's played with four you know four different first round picks over three you know three at a time his first three years. This year, he finally gets rid of some of these guys. It's just him and Waddle out of, out of like those, you know, first round type prospects. And he wins the Heisman. So <laughs> it's it's like so hard for me to knock him for like that earlier lack of production. I think that like the way I'm trying to treat it is there's just a little more murkiness to what he could be. Like a guy like Jamar Chase, who has like the prototypical first receiver profile, mm-hmm. we get a better idea of what he could be at the next level. Someone like Smith, he's kind of an outlier at the start in yeah. terms of the context Which, of his career, the way his career's played out. Like, I mean, geez, there hasn't been a receiver winning Heisman since, since like the 90s. Yeah, so like like, 1992 like, or something. Like, <laughs> I think I was three yeah, years so old. He's like a unicorn. <laughs> he's a unicorn on his own. So I, this isn't. So it's not like that. Like I would have Chase above him, but it's more just because I feel a lot more comfortable projecting what Chase could be. Um, whereas like Smith, like I think that the range of outcomes becomes wider. You know, I think it's a little harder to pin him down on any one particular thing. But I mean, I, <laughs> somebody did this year. It's hard to it's hard to look at him and be like, oh, yeah, no, like bust, you know, like don't take yeah. it. So it sounds like uh, to I me, like you you're not even yeah. it's like you don't even bother. It's like you can't really compare. It's just you have to look at it and just understand that Devontae Smith's profile is kind of an outlier in a, in a situation. Uh, and is but because of what he did in the, in this incredible final season, his outcome could still be solid. Like if I use like yep. the uh, wide receiver, like one of the tools we have at Rotoviz is the wide receiver prospect lab, and you can you know plug in a bunch of different metrics. It's it's 
I I don't want to say it's you know it, it's similar, but not not the same to what you're talking about. But it's funny because it ha- it has some really really nice comps in, in terms of his production profile, uh, but it also has like Tavon Austin and and John Ross on there too. So it's uh you know it, it's right. got some guys that aren't aren't his body type, but have definitely have some some NFL success and similar similarly like late breakouts like like Jordy Nelson like you know he had a crazy yep. insane like later breakout because you know he had he took a weird I mean his his college career at Kansas State was a little odd like he wasn't like a five-star wide receiver uh, but you know he broke out later and there was some context that kind of explained it and that's what I feel like even though his his final peak numbers were like 99th percentile Nelson's that is like you know, his breakout age was not perfect, and Devontae Smith is not perfect. Both of them have context to explain that away a little bit. So I'm okay taking both of them. I think they're number one and number two. Just, I mean, it, uh, that seems to be the consensus right now anyway. But is there anybody else that you put, that, put up next to them based on some of the metrics that you use uh, that would be kind of close to their rank uh, in this class? Well, I mean, I guess the two guys, I think one is kind of obvious. One is probably obvious for, for, for your audience, the road of his crew. Right. Um, but, I mean, Jalen Waddle, obviously, I think it's really difficult to, to not discuss him towards the top. Uh, I mean, just like outrageous, outrageous speed. Like, I'm so mad that there's no combine this year because I just want to see like what he would run in like that traditional setting. But, you know, again, similar deal. Like, as a true freshman, this is someone who was producing – on Alabama, you know, the best, the best school in the country, you know, he took a little bit of a step back last year, this year he was hurt. So we don't really have like a full picture, but again, like in terms of upside, you know, like Waddle could definitely be like an Odell Beckham, a Will Fuller, you know, like really impressive speed guys, really impressive yards after the cash type players who open up your offense. Uh, So I, I really like Waddle. I mean, if you look at his comps compared to Smith's, Waddle's comps actually come out a little better. And again, I think that's just because we can feel a little bit more comfortable with what he is. So I, I've been into Waddle, but like the dude, the guy that I'm, I'm just going to be all over is Rashad Bateman. And <laughs> I'm, this is like, again, like the if you're listening to this and you're a Rotoviz listener, you're just like, yeah, dude, we know about Bateman. Like move on, you know, move on. <laughs> but like, I mean, but the guy is just so good. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not going yeah. to all these, not going to argue there. Dominate. Say that again. Not going to argue there. Yeah, Bateman is 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 legit. But what about like just metrics wise? Just for the listener that uh, you know might not be super tuned in to all the the reasons why we like Bateman. Why why are you so uh, all over Rashad Bateman, wide receiver, Minnesota? Well, he has the he has again like that similar prospect profile to Chase, where he has both the young breakout age and the the low number of years. You know, three year player. Uh, I think he broke out in year two. So he's like. And he's competing, and he was doing that while competing with an NFL player in Tyler Johnson, who I think, like, over the years, like, a lot of people were very into Tyler Johnson. He goes a little later in the draft, but he ends up actually producing, you know, despite, like, Tampa Bay having this, like, outrageous receiver core. He, like, finds his way into the mix a little bit, finds the end zone a little bit. And, like, Bateman is, like, dominating this dude. So, (laughs) like, you know, I I look at him, I see a guy who has 9% career market share of touches, uh, like the offense is pretty much running through him. Like that's a pretty high number for a receiver. Um, Two point seven six adjusted yards per play this year. Uh, so yeah. like Bateman, if you just looked at like what he did last year versus Chase, it was pretty close. And then this year, I think it was like a five or six game season. He crushes. Uh, obviously, a little bit of a smaller sample, but it's just like really encouraging that he's able to do this. You know, in a in a major conference, 
uh, does it throughout his career, does it at a young age. Yeah. Uh, so Bateman is, is, is like the dude, I feel like. Yeah, I'm right there with you, too. I One of the things that I, I put together for Rotoviz is the adjusted production index that that takes a look at the peak adjusted dominator rating, which is uh, for those that haven't heard me explain this four or five or six or 20 times already, is basically a, a good look at a team's like a, a player's percentage of a team's overall receiving production split between their receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. Uh, so the peak numbers there, it takes a look at that and then adjusted yards per team pass attempt. And that's exactly what it sounds like. It's yards per team pass attempt. But that is actually shown to be even a little bit more meaningful and sticky by itself without kind of adjusting or doing anything to it uh, than dominator rating. And then lastly, because touchdowns, uh, you know, it actually matters that you score touchdowns as well. And I found that, you know, touchdowns for team pass attempt actually can speak a little bit to uh, predicting draft capital. I add that in there, too. Uh, kind of speaks to. Uh, raw, I guess, overall volume, uh, efficiency, and then ability to score. Kind of like an overall look at a wide receiver's production profile from three different angles. And Rashad Bateman actually comes in uh, just over the 90th percentile uh, by that measure. Uh, and, and players that have a 90th percentile or better adjusted production index, uh, they see you know round one, two, or three draft capital 86% of the time. Uh, so it it looks good. Like I know some people are questioning his draft capital and where he's going to go exactly right now. Uh, maybe some people want to question Rashad Bateman's speed, but I think that's just we're, we're nitpicking because I think he's he's got a lot of things going for him. Uh, but another you know guy that a lot of the analytics people like a lot this year, but you know some people want to nitpick him because he's just a slot guy or whatever. Uh, Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss. Uh, as a guy that I'm definitely high on, are you there as well? I'm I'm mixed, but I'm definitely more pro than than not. Uh, I mean, again, another guy with a really young breakout age, uh, 3.8 adjusted yards per play this year, career receiving yards per team pass attempt 2.7. Uh, so Elijah Moore has done it at a high level. He's again another guy who's played with big prospects. We talked about AJ Brown. You mentioned DK Metcalf. Like Elijah Moore has been in the room with these guys. And, you know, now that they're gone, he's managed to produce. So, yeah, again, like a little smaller. But, you know, what? the position is kind of trending that way anyway. Like there aren't a lot of Mike Evans out there. Like these smaller guys who can kind of move all over the field seem to be kind of taking priority. So, you know, you look at an Elijah Moore, you know, some of the top comps that I get from Greg Jennings, Emmanuel Sanders, Tyler Lockett. Uh, I mean, I think that those are all fine comparisons for a guy like Moore. Uh, Kendall Wright's in there. So, you know, Elijah Moore is – certainly someone that you need to be paying attention to uh, I think as we get closer to draft day yeah absolutely I'm, I'm a big fan he actually for being a slot receiver uh, he actually had quite a bit of, of uh, his yards come as an outside wide receiver this year too uh, so he was almost exclusively a slot guy just a year ago uh, but this year they just were like you know what we're just going to break a bunch of records put you all over the place and uh, you're actually going to have a decent average depth of target and you're going to impress on on a, on a wider variety of routes uh, and, you know, have almost 11 receptions per game uh, for Ole Miss in the SEC. Uh, you know, he was actually on a faster yardage and reception pace than Devontae Smith, but he just didn't play as many games because Ole Miss is bad. Uh, but, you know, he, he right. just... And, like, we just did this last year, I feel like, with Justin Jefferson. We were like, oh, he's a slot guy. He's a slot yeah. guy. It's like, and he, come then on. he goes and plays over the field as a rookie. So like, yeah. maybe the whole slot thing is a little, you know, overblown. You would think that it, we might, you know, learn something from year to year. 
eventually might figure this thing out. But Elijah Moore, you know, obviously he wasn't producing when A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf were there because uh, they were in roles that he might have filled. But once they were gone, it was his offense. He was the entire offense. Even when they had John Terrible Passer Plumley uh, at QB, he still managed to be productive in 2019. And once he actually, you know, once he actually got some decent quarterback play out of Matt Corral, uh, except for the six interception game, uh, he actually was incredible. So I, I keep finding myself ranking Elijah Moore higher and higher and higher because he checks every single box and his adjusted production index puts him actually just above Rashad Bateman. And I, I just, I don't really have many questions with his game. I think if you want to call him a slot wide receiver, I don't think you really saw what he did as an outside wide receiver this year. He was actually more more efficient, more yards per target, more yards per reception uh, as an outside guy. And he just proved him proved himself this year. So as far as like one quarterback leagues go, he's, he's right there as like a late first round uh, rookie for me. Uh, do you, do you actually have him ranked inside the first round or is he kind of an early second round for dynasty rookie drafts for you? First round guy for me. Uh, I definitely lean a little more towards the receivers, uh, especially since we don't really know where these running backs are going to go yet. But sure. I mean, more if he's a top, five receiver in the class like i still think that he's probably a guy you want in yeah. uh, in the first round in one quarterback leagues yeah. i i mean like just talking about him like i said i was mixed I, i'd like to change that officially to staunchly pro you know okay I mean? staunchly <laughs> like, pro we'll, we'll, we'll redact <laughs> that from the record i'll just uh bleep out everything at, at a certain point and uh yeah we'll we'll fix it and fix that in post but uh, yeah, man, I, I love Elijah Moore. And it was interesting. I did that whole, I always do like the, the rookie poll mock series on Twitter just to gauge, you know, consensus and uh, just let everybody on Twitter see, you know, get their votes in. And Elijah Moore was actually the 15th. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed player off the board and he actually went behind guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, Juba Hubbard, Kenneth Gainwell, Terrace Marshall. Would you have him over any of those four or five players? Ooh, like, give me, yeah, give so me those names Amon Ross again, St. Brown, Chuba Hubbard, Kenneth Gainwell, and Terrace Marshall. Yeah, I think the only one I think the only one there like if the run if one of those running backs goes to like an ideal location, yeah. Maybe I would take them first. Okay. Like, you know, over him. But I think otherwise I'm I'm rolling it. 
Well, we'll tackle uh, you know Terrace Marshall and a few of their a few of the other top names coming out in this uh, NFL draft class. But we'll do that after a word from our sponsors. Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you come up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to GetRoman.com slash RotoViz now. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication's appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash RotoViz and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash RotoViz now to get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. GetRoman.com slash RotoViz. Get started now to save $15 on your first month of treatment. What's up, Rotoviz listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Rotoviz Radio and one of the co-hosts of the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you, as always, for listening in to another Rotoviz Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass right now at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast or by simply adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Rotoviz website, the best tools and content in the business for the best listeners in the business. As always, we do appreciate you listening to each and every show. And if you do have 5, 10, 15 seconds to spare, please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app. It is much appreciated. With all that said, thank you once again for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. Now let's get back to the show. All right, so we just talked about some of our favorite wide receivers, the wide receiver one, talked about some metrics that we like to use when looking at the wide receiver position. A couple other names that are definitely way up there on draft boards. Right before the break, I actually mentioned Terrace Marshall. I feel like that's a guy who is a little bit... Uh, I, I don't feel like a lot of people are just talking about Terrace Marshall all day, but there are some people that really like him as well. And, and I feel like in, in mock drafts, I'm still seeing him as, you know, top 12 to 15 rookie by consensus in this rookie draft class. So Terrace Marshall, kind of an afterthought because we're, everyone's talking about Jamar Chase and everybody's talking about J- Justin Jefferson just because he just went off. But what if, you know, you had to share uh, targets with the consensus wide receiver one this year and the guy in the previous draft class that turned out to be the obvious wide receiver one in his class. Like, shouldn't we actually look at this guy and go, oh, yeah, maybe he's actually good if he can also still catch like double digit touchdowns with these guys on the field? Yeah, you would think, right? Uh, and it's weird because I feel like, I don't know, I kind of feel like a few years ago we didn't have all these like loaded receiver groups, but. You know, the obvious SEC is like, hey, we want to throw the ball a little bit. Yeah. And uh, all these teams have like these loaded receiver cores. I'm definitely into Terrace Marshall. Uh, again, another three-year player, which is a huge indicator for me. He broke out in year three, but just looking at past success, you know, three-year guys that break out in year two or year three, there's really not a huge difference uh, between them. Just the fact that he has that breakout prior to leaving school 
is yeah. what matters. I mean, 46% dominator this year, obviously crushed. Uh, 7% market share of touches, 2.76 adjusted yards per play. Uh, so he doesn't have like the total career production that some of these other guys are going to have. But again, you know, that's because of the players that he played with. Obviously, in his true freshman season, they didn't have like a dynamic passing game. Last year, he scores 13 touchdowns as part of this, you know, awesome LSU offense. And then he follows that up this season with, uh, you know, a really impressive year from a market share perspective, still scores 10 times. 15 uh, yards per catch for his career. So uh, a lot of things I think to like about Terrace Marshall, who uh, top comp actually in the app does turn out to be Justin Jefferson, ironically Ooh. enough. Hey, there we go. Yeah. And you know, his deployment this year was interesting uh, just from a, a film uh, analysis standpoint. Cause like, again, LSU loves to just have their playmakers in the right spot and they don't, they, they try to make them, you know, they would stack them in the slot and try to make sure he didn't get a bunch of press coverage. Like even, even in the Missouri game where he just went off, like, you know, a few of the plays, it's just like, man, that they schemed that really well so that he'd be in the, in the, the perfect spot. And LSU does a great job of that, but Terrace Marshall just finds a way to score at a ridiculous clip. Like, if you look at how many touchdowns he scored in the last two seasons, like, it's insane. He had the highest touchdown percentage of any wide receiver in the last two seasons, scoring 23 touchdowns. Everyone knows it's going to Terrace Marshall, and he's finding finding a way to score and do it at a better clip than anybody in football. That's definitely notable for me. And again, a, a guy from in my adjusted production index, he, he's about 80th percentile and this class has a bunch of guys over that mark like if you get up over like the 80th percentile in this metric i did a lot of digging into draft capital implications anywhere above 80 80 percentile you got a two-thirds chance of going inside of day two and i think we know terrace marshall is going inside of day two if he gets that round one capital then we're looking at some implications of, of a guy that could probably be an absolute just monster hit at the next level and and if we're getting him at you know at the end of round one or early round two of rookie drafts, this this class is looking like a lot of fun uh, up and down. But I can't talk about wide receivers without talking about uh, my alma mater and uh, Rondale Moore, wide receiver out of Purdue and a guy that you probably love a lot just because he has that true freshman breakout season. But yep. again, like you mentioned before at the earlier in the show, we've got all the unicorns this year. We've got all the all the weird exceptions of profiles that just don't make any sense. And with Rondale Moore, I mean, he had that huge breakout season, 2,200 all-purpose yards as a freshman, you know, wins the Paul Hornung Award for being the most versatile player in all of college football, and he's 18 years old, misses almost his entire next season, and then COVID happens, and he, you know, misses more time this year. So what, what do you make of Rondale Moore and do you rank him in your top five wide receivers in this draft class? I just, I can't not, you know, what I, mean? <laughs> like I just, I love, and like, maybe I'm just anchored in because when he was a freshman, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like the next, this is like the next, whatever, you know, this is the next dude, but he's just so unique. Uh, and his profile is so fun to look at because I mean, you want to talk about an offense running through one player, 20% of, of Purdue touches, for his career in games that he played in, went to Rondell Moore. That's like unheard of for a receiver. <laughs> that's, that's I mean, like it's, it's outrageous. Work. <laughs> that's that's and bonkers. It, it, yeah, like it just leads to him being like a really unique prospect. A lot of the comparable players to him are still like not that comparable in the context of like how I how I'm measuring this. But like Randall Cobb is like I guess the most similar player when you consider the differentiated usage and stuff like that. 
Um, but the 20% market share of touches, 11% market share of rushing yards this year, uh, just being used all over the place. And I know that you know he only played in the three games, but 32 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. He's able to do it, obviously, as a receiver. He's been doing it for three years, uh, albeit in the limited games. But, yeah, I, I'm just really infatuated with him. He's the only true freshman breakout in the class. I think that that really speaks volumes to just how talented he is. And kind of the way that I've measured, like, breakouts – uh, for both age and years, like a lot of times when I'm factoring it into my models, I do like a 85% weighted average with the breakout year or age and the final. And he's under 19 in terms of the adjusted breakout age or adjusted age. He's 1.3 in adjusted years because he broke out as a true freshman and played three years. So, I mean, Rondell Moore kind of checks all of the boxes for me. Uh, obviously, I'd love to see, I would have loved to have seen him play more in college. But I feel like that freshman season just holds so much water in terms of all the stuff that we've talked about on this show. Yeah. And uh, kind of all the stuff that, that I look at. Yeah. And it's funny, like when you look at his profile and his usage, it just speaks to how awful the Purdue quarterbacks are. <laughs> like oh, yeah. they, they really have to scheme it to where it's just like, hey, Rondale, just please go win the game for us. Like when he's actually healthy. <laughs> It's just like, please do something because we, we don't have anything else. We, we can chuck it down to David Bell. Hope, hope, hopefully something good happens. And, you know, a lot of times it does because David Bell's also really good. Probably uh, in the wide receiver one discussion for the 2022, uh, 2022 class. But uh, I think uh, according to my charting, I think Rondell Moore actually had the lowest average depth of target <laughs> in, in like all of Power 5. Like for, you know, wide receivers that had at least 20 targets. So it's just, I don't know how he's going to get used in the pros, but it feels like he might just have been capped uh, in college by the quarterback play. And we might see one of the most versatile, best playmakers, you know, ever in in Rondell Moore. I feel like he has that kind of potential. You know, maybe those words will come back, to, come back to bite me, but he seems like he has that kind of potential, especially given how dominant he was uh, way back as an 18-year-old. Uh, but, you know, we talked about guys we, we like, uh, maybe one at the very beginning that we aren't super high on with Dwayne Eskridge. Uh, but is there anybody in this class that you're just like hard pass? Nope, definitely not that dude at the wide receiver position. Probably Kadarius Tony for me. We were talking about that a little bit before, but I'm just not really sure I get it. Like, I, I think I get it. Like, I think I get why people like him. Like, you know, obviously like the versatile skill set, but like really only one season of true receiver production. Yeah. Does it in his fourth year. It's just not really the kind of profile that, that I'm looking for. Now, granted, a bunch of these like like ESPN, like they have him like in the first round conversation. Yeah. He goes in the first round, I'm at least willing to like like I'm ne- I'm I'm like a never say never guy, you know? Like i I'm at least willing to reconsider. <laughs> yes. But he just has the profile of a bust for me. Uh like the comps that I get, Courtney Roby, Marcus Wheaton, Joe Adams, Kenny Moore, John Ross, like just not good players, Devin Smith, uh, Devin Thomas. So I have a hard time kind of buying in. He's like the kind of outlier type player that I'm a little more comfortable missing on versus the uh, these other guys that we've talked about that have been uh, outliers kind of like in a more positive way, like just exceptional in some way with like some strange surrounding circumstances. Tony kind of doesn't fit that bill for me. He's in that second bin of I'd be really surprised if he succeeded, but I'm okay if that happens. Yeah, I'm not really there either with with Tony. I mean, I know that there are some excuses uh, for Tony's early career, uh, you know, not breaking out, uh, you know, just because he came in. You know, he was a quarterback in high school or whatever, made made the the change over to wide receiver and, 
you know, he was a utility player kind of for his freshman year. And Florida, you know, they don't really necessarily run through their young studs typically. Like, I mean, think back to like Van Jefferson, like who broke out super right. late as well. Like they just, they, they're like, hey, oh, you, oh crap, you're about to go out the door. Here's like 50 catches real quick. And, <laughs> and it's like, oh, you've been here this oh, whole time? Crap. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I got, I got to actually, you know, give you the ball before you're actually gone. And I feel like that's just what they do. And so I get it. I, I get it. But man, like even his peak season, like adjusted production numbers, any way you slice him, like it's just not pretty. Like he's he's just a hair above the do not touch in any circumstance type prospect. But if he gets, you know, that first round capital, that's going to be a game changer. That's probably going to smooth a lot of things out. And yeah, I'll take him if he drops in rookie drafts. But I'm definitely not going to have very much uh, of uh, Kadarius Tony this year. He's to me, he is. I don't know. He's like he's like Miko Hardman the sequel. Like he's probably gonna be a super solid role player on a team, but I I don't think I'm ever gonna want him in fantasy football. You know, like he's probably yeah. gonna stick around on the roster for a long time because he does some things that are fun. But that's just not my guy. But but before we wrap up on this show, I, I want to ask you about just a couple players that uh, I don't think are getting. You know. I don't think they're gaining enough steam for what they've done as well in terms with of uh, in terms of their production profiles and their, their peak numbers and just when you compare them and what they're doing uh, to anyone in football like they're pretty unique uh, in terms of being a deep threat especially and, and the NFL loves speed they love guys that can push as a deep threat Jatarius Tutu Atwell from Louisville and Diami Brown of North Carolina are two guys that have wowed over the past two seasons. This past year, Tutu Atwell didn't do as well because the Louisville offense overall was just kind of anemic. It just did not ever really take off. But Diami Brown had like two consecutive seasons with like over 20 yards per reception. Had I think he had you know the complete opposite of Rondale Moore. I'm pretty sure he actually had the <laughs> deepest average depth of target in the nation by almost a half yard. Uh, this year and credit to Sam Howell, who's an, an incredible quarterback, but Diami Brown, I, I really like him and Tutu Atwell, what he did in 2019, almost identical in terms of their deep ball impact. Uh, and, you know, Tutu Atwell does a little bit more of like jet sweeps and underneath stuff too, but do you like either of those players quite a bit? Yeah, I like both. Uh, I was actually just tweeting about Brown the other day, but just, uh, you know, like you already mentioned, it's a really impressive career. At North Carolina, not typically a school we think of when we think of wide receivers. But, I mean, again, another three-year player. Uh, he's going to go probably a little later than some of these other guys. Uh, maybe he ends up in, like, that Gabriel Davis range in terms of draft position. Gabriel Davis, another three-year player that I mm-hmm. think went a, a really undervalued last year. So I can definitely see Diami Brown uh, kind of following a similar arc just in terms of draft capital and rookie draft capital. But yeah, just a lot to like. I love, I'm like a huge sucker for the guys who make big plays. Yeah. So to average over 20 yards per catch the last two years is like a really quick way into my heart. Yeah. It's like, um, no, I mean, nobody, nobody else did that. Like in all of college football, I'm pretty sure nobody else did that at that sample, uh, that, that sample size, especially like having two over 1000 yard seasons, you know, at least 50 catches and, you know, averaging 20 yard per 20 yards per reception all the way through. Like that's, and that's tough. Like that's, that's incredible numbers, incredible efficiency. And, you know, some people want to knock him for his 2019 drops. Like he really cleaned that up this past year. He actually had a third of the amount of drops as he did in the preceding season. So man, I, I really love Diami Brown. I love his swag. I love the play. I, I'll never forget the play against AJ Terrell. Uh, I think it was a Clemson game. 
that might have been two years ago now, I guess. You may remember this boy, but he actually looks over before the snap and just waves at Sam Howell. It's like, hey, dude, I'm open. <laughs> <laughs> and AJ Terrell's like this guy. I mean, he, he's in the NFL. Like, he's on the Falcons. Like, he's a good corner. And first Diami, round pick. Yeah, <laughs> he's first round pick. And Diami's like, yeah, I've got this. And he just has this, uh, you know, little shimmy in his uh, double move and just absolutely torches Terrell. And it's just, I want that guy on my team. You know, like I, I want yeah. a player like that. Just, I, I don't know if there's an analytic for that, like some kind of metric for that, but uh, there should be, there definitely should be. But uh, anyway, I uh, appreciate your time, man. This was fun breaking down a lot of these wide receivers, best position to talk about. And this class has a ton of guys with solid production profiles with tons of things to get excited about. Uh, but anything else you kind of want to plug before we sign off here? No, man, I appreciate you having me on. I uh, hope you guys, if you're listening and you, and you kind of like the stuff that I'm talking about, definitely check out the Substack stack uh, that we pumped at the start of the uh, of the show, amixta.substack.com. And uh, we'll have a bunch of draft content out there all uh, all spring. So uh, definitely come on board. Nice. And it, Okay, so it's Amixta. That makes sense because it's Anthony Amico. Like, I don't know why that's so <laughs> hard for me. But <laughs> like, like I look at your handle and I'm like, oh, that's definitely Amixta. Even though, like, it's clearly your name is Anthony Amico, but whatever. Uh, you know, like five years from now, I'll maybe pronounce it correctly. But uh, again, thanks, thanks so much for coming on, talking some wide receivers, listeners. Thanks for joining us again. Please do leave a rate and review. It really helps the show. Uh, it's just been a blast. Thirty something episodes in here, uh, hanging out with some really fun guests, talking about all these future NFL prospects. Uh, we're going to keep doing that uh, this spring. I know we don't have the NFL Combine, but we're going to have some. Pro Days coming up here uh, to kick off early March. Uh, Going to take a look at some future NFL stars again, talk about some Debbie fantasy football as well. Take a look at uh, some of the best players returning. We, we talked about some of that last week, but going to be getting into college football and uh, some, some new metrics I've been working on for quarterbacks as well here in the very near future. But uh, yeah, thanks again, Anthony. You can find him on Twitter at Amixta. That's A-M-I-C-S-T-A on Twitter, and again, that's amixta.substack.com for his latest work as well. But uh, look forward to many more episodes of the College to Canton podcast. But until next time, you guys take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.